0: Please stand in honor of the words and work of Jesus. This text is the basis for today's message, the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the fourth chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you are with now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, he who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Just then his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? So the woman left her jar and went away into the town and said to the people, "'Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ?' They went out of the town and were coming to him. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days.' And many more believed because of his word. And he said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated.
1: Grace, mercy, and peace from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen text for this morning, that rather lengthy gospel lesson recorded in John chapter 4 that Vickers just read for us. You heard us announce it at the beginning, you see it up on the screens, The Way of the Cross is the title of our sermon series for these six Sundays in Lent. As Jesus journeys toward Jerusalem to accomplish his mission on that cross, to rescue and to restore humanity, he meets and he engages with a variety of people from all walks of life. So, if you were here last week, you met Nicodemus, a a Pharisee, a, a man highly educated in the Old Testament Word of God, a devout person in his devotion to God, a ruler, a leader, a teacher of God's people, you might say that Nicodemus was sort of the creme de la creme of first century society. Today, however, Jesus meets a Samaritan woman at a well on his way back north to Galilee from Jerusalem and to say that she is the polar opposite of Nicodemus would probably be an understatement. A Samaritan who were people that were hated by the Jews, a woman in a culture where women were often marginalized, and not just a woman or even a Samaritan woman, but a Samaritan woman with a lot of baggage. On the way to the cross, Jesus seeks to engage everyone from Nicodemus to the woman at the well and everything in between, which just happens to include you and me this morning. Because see, Jesus is always seeking us, he is always seeking to overcome any and every obstacle that would keep us from experiencing life in the kingdom of God, which is the world put right, put right right now through faith in Jesus until he comes again in glory and makes that kingdom permanent. Now we didn't actually find out at the end of last week's encounter with Nicodemus whether he would end up following Jesus and no you have to read all the way to the end of the Gospel of John to discover that he did eventually find the way of the cross but the woman at the well and in fact her whole community <laughs> turned out to be far more open and ready to receive Jesus than Nicodemus. So I bid you this morning, watch as the way of the cross passes through the life of a Samaritan woman and to ponder anew what the Almighty can do and will do and is trying to do continuously in your life and in mine. So the first exchange that occurs, Jesus, weary from walking all morning, arrives at this well in the heat of the day, The sixth hour to that time would have been the twelfth hour about noon. And you would not have expected to find a woman coming to draw the day's supply of water at that time of day. Yet there she was. And Jesus seeks now to draw out from her a conversation by asking her to help him. To do an act of service. A cup of of cool water for whatever you do for one of the least of these you did for me. Now, of course, we always have a lot of excuses. You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan woman. You're not my kind. You scare me. My first instinct is to ignore you, to mind my own business, to pretend like perhaps I didn't even see you, or worse yet, that you don't exist. I'd like for you to watch for Jesus this week in some small act of kindness for a friend or a caregiver or even a stranger that you might meet along the way with a simple smile, with a kind word, perhaps with an extra measure of patience. One of our catalyst groups this past week which is our small group ministry took on as a service project going to serve a meal at a homeless ministry called Samaritan's Resource Center and if you knew the members of this group it wouldn't surprise you to hear me say that some of them were a little uncomfortable about all this but the challenge was for them to have a conversation with someone who they were serving food to and the highlight of this adventure was when someone brought out some music and they found themselves line dancing with the homeless. (laughs) Look, Jesus often approaches us in the needs of those around us to bring us farther down the way of the cross. And so the second exchange, I think Jesus with a knowing smile looks at this woman and he seeks to take her to the next step. He says, I have something that will not only quench your thirst for life completely, it will radically transform you. Ask me and I will give you living water. And the woman's response i would say something like don't be silly <laughs> this well is deep as is my history as a woman and as a samaritan even deeper now i'm not going to rehearse the animosity between jews and samaritans suffice it to say that it goes back a long long way and to imagine that it can be overcome by a chance encounter on the way of the cross is unlikely. Too much water has gone under that bridge. Nothing will ever change. But hopelessness is paralyzing. Does the way of the cross of healing of radical transformation in your life ever seem, you know, impossible to you? Are you stuck in the rut of doing the same things over and over, expecting to get different results? I tried marriage counseling. That didn't work. I tried AA. That didn't work. I tried going back to church and praying harder, and that didn't work. In the third exchange, Jesus is not willing to let this woman off so easily, and and he kind of teases her along a little bit farther down the way of the cross. He says, what I have told you will not only quench your thirst for life completely, it will turn you into a spring of water that is welling up for eternal life for those around you so here's my paraphrase of the woman's next response sure why not sounds good to me too good to be true but what the heck I'll give it a try give me this water you see at this stage I wonder if we don't like to dabble with Jesus more often than we want to take him seriously I mean, sure, why not? I'll give it a try. If it'll make my life better and easier, I mean, what could it hurt? Pastor, just give me a checklist. What do I need to do? Worship, okay, check. Pray, daily devotions, volunteer my time, donate a little of my hard-earned money. Oh, and what will I get in return? You say my insatiable thirst for one thing after another to give me happiness and security will be quenched, that my cup will overflow. Right? Blessings, blessings, and more blessings. I'll take some. (laughs) And in the fourth encounter, Jesus says, Not so fast. There are some issues we need to address. Jesus, call your husband. Woman, I have no husband. Jesus, you're right. Your life is kind of a mess, isn't it? Woman, I'd rather not talk about that. See, I think the woman at the well now seeks to divert Jesus away from her personal life by having a debate over where the right place to worship is. So I would like to ask you, what is your favorite diversionary tactic when it comes to letting Jesus all the way into your life? Oh, I like what you're saying, Jesus, but, but why is there so much evil in the world? Explain that to me. Look, I'd like to, I'd like to follow you, but you know what? Those church people are a bunch of hypocrites, and I certainly wouldn't want to be like that. What about evolution versus creation? Jesus fixed that for me. Do you you think there should be big government or little government? And what about all this gender identity and sexuality struggle that's going on in our culture? One of the commentators I read for citing this message wrote this about the exchange between Jesus and the woman at the well. Listen to his words the sheer flexibility of Jesus leaps from the page as he deals with a wide array of different people and their varied needs. No less startling, though more often ignored, is the manner in which Jesus commonly drives directly into the individual's greatest need, hopelessness, guilt, despair, and need. And he concludes that should not be so surprising if he is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Inevitably, he will deal with sin in those who express some interest in knowing and following him. So let's ask the hard question, do you know what your greatest sin, your hopelessness, your guilt, your despair, your need is? Because you see, whatever it is, that is the biggest obstacle to receiving and being satisfied with the way of the cross. And so I asked myself, and I'm inviting you to ask yourself, what's your greatest sin? I mean, to be honest with you, I have a lot more in common with Nicodemus last week than the Samaritan woman in this story. My greatest sin, more often than not, is self-righteousness. Believe it or not, I'm a pretty decent person. And that, in fact, turns out to sometimes be the hardest sin of all to overcome. But I've been a pastor long enough and I have talked to, to enough good people who come to church every Sunday who have dark secrets that they have concealed from themselves and virtually everyone else that they would be appalled for anyone to ever find out. My hopelessness is most evident in my cynicism and my avoidance of current affairs in our country and in the world. How easy it is for me to fold my arms and sit back and just take pot shots and criticize pretty much everybody. Because honestly, trying to bring the kingdom of God, the world put right, even into some small corner of this present darkness, sometimes seems pointless to me. My guilt... My guilt at this point in my life is that I didn't spend enough time with Lois and my children when they were growing up. Like a lot of men, I was too busy being consumed my, my career and then becoming an administrative bureaucrat rather than a missionary and becoming more concerned about keeping St. Luke's financially stable and strong than risking our resources on ministry opportunities. I haven't planted any churches. I've influenced very, very few people to become pastors or teachers or deaconesses. My despair? <laughs> Time is running out. (laughs) And my need, my need is to be quieted again this morning in my heart to have my heart awakened to the power of life in Christ to let Jesus quench my thirst and to hear him say to me again today today, Wally you are just who God says you are you're not any more than that but you are never ever any less and God says that you are a forgiven bound for eternity in the new heaven and new earth unrepeatable miracle who he finds intriguing and delightful despite your sin and your hopelessness and your guilt and your despair. In the fifth exchange with this woman, Jesus says, listen to me. It is possible for you to know God in spirit and in truth. And that is simply coming to know God and experiencing him in a deep, intimate, personal relationship with him that will satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. (laughs) And the woman rightly responds, no way. That would take nothing less than the Messiah himself to show up and make the world right again and save us all. And what does Jesus say? Here I am. In John's gospel, whenever Jesus uses the word hour, as in the hour or my hour, it always refers to Jesus impending suffering and death on the cross and his resurrection from the dead. Look, the Jews and the Samaritans argued about whether God required them to worship on Mount Gerizim in Samaria or on Mount Zion in Jerusalem where the temple had been built And Jesus says, neither Mount Zion nor Mount Gerizim, you must all come to Mount Calvary. That green hill outside the city walls of Jerusalem where our dear Lord was crucified, where he died to save us all. Because Jesus not only knows your greatest sin and your hopelessness and your guilt and your despair and your need, Jesus absorbed it all into himself and from the cross he cried out, I thirst. His death and his resurrection now breaks open the wellspring of the Holy Spirit who comes pouring into our lives. Forgiveness is ours And a new, well-watered life is restored. Now, the woman in the text became a spring of living water, welling up to eternal life for her whole community. And Jesus stayed with them for two days. And before he left, they declared, we believe and know that this is the Savior of the world. Right before Jesus ascended back into heaven, he had said to his followers, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And in Acts chapter 8, one of Jesus' disciples named Philip goes to Samaria and he proclaims Jesus to them. And almost miraculously, the crowds with one accord paid attention to what Philip was saying and there was much joy in that city. And tradition has it that Philip actually went to the same village where Jesus had met the woman at the well and asked for a drink of water. Look, your life and mine on the way of the cross becomes a spring of living water welling up to eternal life for those that we encounter. So what might that look like this week? Maybe an act of kindness. Maybe a deed of service to someone in need. I don't know. Maybe a little line dancing with the homeless. Where we could start another conversation with our Lord and Savior Jesus on the way of the cross. Amen. Now, the peace that passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in this true faith, the life everlasting. Amen. People of God.